Apparently, Joe Biden can fix what the Federal Reserve cannot. Okay, everybody. My name is J.O. Welcome to the Maximize Your Medicare podcast. I am the author of Maximize Your Medicare, published in January of this year by Allworth Press. You can buy the book anywhere you can buy books, Amazon.com. Your local bookstore will be able to get it. Barnes & Noble, it's available. You can go to the official website for the book, www.maximizeyourmedicare.com. There's important Medicare information, official links, and other useful resources, links to this podcast, as well as videos. As always, today is not financial advice. Never is. I need to know a lot more about you. I am a certified financial planner, and that has to do with today's episode, which is to talk about financial markets and more than the actual level of up and down, the incredible volatility that we have seen over the past two weeks. The most important thing is, you know, how these topics relate to one another. So, you could hear from previous podcasts, please go and listen to them, download, rate, review, subscribe, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. I've talked about taxes, Irma, and the fact that there can be oversights, and there have been very, very expensive oversights by financial planners, accountants, stockbrokers, where the fact is these topics are all linked together and oversight of a particular detail can lead to unexpectedly high premiums in health insurance or under Medicare. Now, if we step back a little bit here, what I'm going to say is the following is, I don't have a crystal ball and no one does. That said, at certain times, financial markets behave in a way which reflect heightened senses of fear. Now, fear, generally speaking, is not something that equity markets, and by equities, I mean stock markets, like at all. Okay, Equity markets depend on stability and predictableness. Yes, I know that's not a word, right? Predictability of the future, because it doesn't like huge variances away from that expectation. And when there's variances amongst the expectation, what you have is much wider swings between high and lows as people try to sort out their thoughts on how the future will play out. That is the nature of equity markets. So, and that kind of explains, you know, in a nutshell, if you will, what has happened, meaning that we have heightened senses of uncertainty, and that uncertainty and settling the uncertainty is not necessarily an easy, easy or overnight process. As background, I can let you know that you know I have dealt with financial markets at the highest level on multiple continents, and you know this is the recurring theme. And I, recently, over the last couple of days, you can go to the YouTube channel, Maximize Your Medicare YouTube channel, and there's reason that I put on their hashtag much more than Medicare, which is that actually financial planning has a number of different topics of which 
obviously retirement planning, saving, financial planning has to do with a plan. And one of those components, of course, is retirement savings or your investment resources. Basically, what I'm saying here is that I would not necessarily expect the volatility to cease overnight. And the reason is that the world simply does not have a good conclusion, a conclusion even that it can rely on for any period, which is necessary in order to return the equity markets to you know, the all-time highs or anything like that. So if you're sitting there on your hands, hoping that we kind of return back to the S&P 500 at 3400 I think that that'll you'll be disappointed but you know I don't again what we have is a is no the absence of a crystal ball an unrealistic expectation of your financial advisor would be for them to have he or she them to have a crystal ball that's simply not possible I tell people, and I've explained to other people, that financial planning as and investment analysis, etc., has to do with kind of something like an exercise like hurricane forecasting. And in hurricane forecasting, what do you have? You have hurricane models about what the intended or predicted path of that hurricane would be. Does that mean that the individual hurricane hits the sweet spot. Let's just say, for example, it's forecast, the eye of a hurricane is forecast to hit Tampa directly. Now, you know, people in Tampa, people, longtime residents of Tampa says, no, that never happens due to the fact that, you know, a Seminole is protecting the area. But aside from, you know, regional folklore, what you have is the hurricane will not directly hit the intended you know landing spot we know this it's going to hit north it's going to hit south for example in in the florida case right it's not going to hit directly at tampa instead what you're going to have is you're going to have some variance around that intended spot and in much the same way you have financial markets predictions that they may be correct or not after the fact that doesn't necessarily invalidate the hurricane forcing model, right? The hurricane forecasting model is is you know created by people who are plenty good at science. I think we can agree on that. Now, as we go back to financial markets here, so as I said to you that I've had firsthand experience and the front row view of enormous financial volatility in multiple time frames on multiple locations around the world. And what I would tell you is the following, is that I'm not overly concerned with up and down necessarily, okay, within some patterns. But what I am looking for is disorderly up and down, disorderly up and down. And what I mean by disorderly is that in my hurricane forecasting model, I have some certain assumption, some certain thought pattern about combinations. For example, I have a thought press about stock A versus the market. Okay, let's just call it stock A. We can call it any stock. You can call it a sector, for example. You can call it asset classes. In other words, I have some view of 
some view of the interrelationship amongst these particular assets. Now, when the market moves, I would expect just greater moves, but those relationships to stay intact. So let's just call it, let's just take an easy example. Let's just call it utilities and let's call it Con Ed and let's call it the S&P 500, which is the stock market as a whole. Well, what would I expect? I would expect that in small if the S&P 500 went dramatically higher, that it would outperform utilities because Con Ed is a utility for those who do not know. And basically that the relationship would certainly be that S&P 500 much, much higher, for example, if that were to occur, that I would not necessarily expect utilities and Con Ed being a very large utility to necessarily go higher at the same rate, at the same rate. And that is important fact. So I'm comparing and looking at these different relationships. However, what we've observed over the past days, and especially at the end of last week, what we saw is a breakdown of these interrelationships, a breakdown of these interrelationships. That is disturbing. Okay, so what you have here is that that means that someone has hit the sell button indiscriminately. In other words, a few days ago, and not very many days ago, what happened is the stock market had historic drop and Con Ed followed suit exactly, meaning that it went down as fast as the market as a whole. It's that kind of breakdown. And I'm not going to say that is the exact example, but what you are looking for is a breakdown amongst asset classes, a breakdown amongst these relationships. When this happens, portfolio constructions, in other words, you could say I was 60% stocks and 40% bonds or 40% bonds and, and you know 10% cash and et cetera, et cetera. Then what ends up happening is that the idea that you have a diversified portfolio it starts to break down. And then you've got a problem. So while we have up and down in pretty wide ranges over the recent days, almost daily it seems, I don't see huge breakdowns in these relationships. I see temporary breakdowns in these relationships, but I don't have ongoing breakdowns. And therefore, I just attribute this to general concern over the ripple effects of coronavirus and economic activity. Can it get worse? The answer is yes. Can it get worse quickly? The answer is yes. Do we have evidence of that right this moment? The answer is no. Are there fundamental problems? Yes. There's no question about that. You could see it yesterday, which was, what was that? That was Tuesday. The Federal Reserve cut interest rates by 50 basis points without warning, without uh, pre-announcement or expectation. And the stock market greeted it by minus 800 points on the Dow Jones. So you can see that, and this is very concerning because this low level of interest rates, you know, is unheard of. And, you know, we can't believe that, you know, the 10-year U.S. Treasury government bond is yielding 1% a year. In other words, 
pretty dramatic and actually the signal it probably sends or and that people are being concerned about is the fact that maybe the ripple effects to the economy are actually worse than is being described. That story is not yet complete. So on YouTube are a number of different videos there. There's one that says stocks up, how can you tell how you're doing, and then stocks down, can you tell how you're doing. And when you put these together, what you get is a way that I suggest that people get a handle of how to keep calm. Okay, how to keep calm and when to know when adjustments need to be made. Basically, the problem that you have with, for example, you know, your brokerage statements is, you know, you get this little pie chart where you get a little summary where you have X percent ETFs and Y percent cash and Z percent stocks, individual stocks and, you know, A percent mutual funds. That is <laughs> that is just not that helpful. I'm sorry. What you actually need to be able to do is you need to measure, okay, let's just presume that stocks are up by 1%. What is your overall portfolio doing? Is it going up by 1% when the stocks are up going by 1%? Is it going down when stocks are up? Is it going up when stocks are down? In other words, you need to have some way of knowing. Okay. And actually in those two YouTube videos, I think, yep, the link is in the description to this pod. Basically, it gives you a way so that you can have some predicted forecast of what has happened to your financial holdings given the market. Right? You, you don't determine the overall market, right? All you have is you have some idea about how you are affected. And guess what? There is your link to my silly simplistic example about the hurricane forecast. That is your hurricane forecast, if you will. That's your weather forecast. Okay, given this cloud formation, what do I think the weather will be? Well, given the market, what do I think my portfolio performance will be? All right. The problem here is that your financial statements that you receive from broker, broker A, broker C, broker D, doesn't even matter. I've never seen a brokerage statement which actually reflects, okay, the market has gone by this and here's how you have done and the market has gone by that, here's how you have done. Much less what happens in a shorter time frame. Okay, and so what ends up happening is you kind of get this monthly statement, and which is uninformative and unhelpful to, to start, and very unhelpful when the market's volatile because then you don't know how to adjust, right? You don't know how to adjust on the fly. You have no idea about when you should adjust or, and by when, we'll get into that in a moment. Let's say you've now completed this exercise, meaning that you actually do understand that your portfolio has moved by X when the stock market has moved by, you know, 1%, 2%, okay? You're expecting your holdings to go up or down by, let's just call it $10,000, okay? The issue here, and the reason for this entire, the punchline to this podcast is the simple thing, is 
you need to be able to determine whether this plus or minus $10,000, what it at, what function it performed in your life. Okay. And we've got clients of all different sizes, but let's just call this $10,000 loss or $10,000 gain. Okay. To household number one, Mr. Smith, that $10,000 can represent groceries. Right? In other words, its financial function is enormous in their day-to-day -day life. Now, this is very important because this is very important because I need to talk to Mr. Smith, which I have, right? And take his pulse. And by take his pulse, basically, I'm going to say, look, I don't control the cloud formation. Let's just presume these are the clouds. If it results in plus or minus $10,000, is your life going to be affected? And if it is affected, to what degree? Because if we determine that Mr. Smith's life would be negatively impacted by this loss of $10,000 to a large degree, we need to reevaluate the portfolio itself and whether or not it is the appropriate portfolio for that person. Okay, so the idea that you would listen to CNBC or listen to the media and they're going to tell you, you know, buy stocks and cherry pick and, you know, Southwest Airlines is down by from the all-time high to the 52-week low within a week. Yeah, those are all true. But the reality, is, and so I'm not saying that the persons are necessarily right or wrong on TV as a result of their specific observation about Southwest Airlines. I'm not saying a single thing about that. What I am saying is that you need to compare the financial impact to actually how it affects you. Okay? And this is a very important thing because you remember this hurricane forecasting thing that I was telling you? All right? So now you're going directly at Tampa and it swerved south. Well, you could say, well, then it's going to, it's going to average out and swerve north later. In other words, it went down, it's going to go back up. It went up, it's going to go back down. No one said that. No one said that. Okay. And this is the critical reason. So now let's just take Mr. Smith, who had too much risk anyway, and that minus $10,000 was actually a very painful thing for him over a period of time. Now let's say he gets sick. Now let's say he needs a new roof that costs 5000 Okay, what ends up happening is he lost $10,000 and then he has to sell at that point in order to get the extra $5,000, right? In other words, I can do all sorts of things to help persons hedge or minimize their risk or increase their risk in one direction. And we can adjust those directions in either way. The problem for retirement planning is that if your financial holdings go down and it is coupled with another large expense, coupled with another large expense, then you are basically selling at the low. Because Mr. Smith now had to sell some stocks which are already down by $10,000, right? In order to pay for the new roof. It's this combination of things 
that is damaging to household finances. The combination, right? Because again, I could have adjusted the portfolio in so that it was less sensitive to the market. That is not difficult. The issue is that people don't understand what risks are actually sitting in there. And then when you have a second whammy, when it rains, it pours, right? So when the second downfall occurs in some unrelated area, your net worth is adversely impacted. This is the key. And, you know, the fancy talk, if I use my, you know, if I use my fancy talk, my academic talk, I would tell you this is the problem of correlation, right? Which is that, you know, there's no hedge for correlation, right? Stock market down and your health much worse, right? These are very unrelated. And if both hit at the same time, then you can have a threatening household financial problem. And now you see the second punchline to this pot. And actually the, the entire linchpin, the, the entire key to why I wrote Maximize Your Medicare, right? Because under retirement age, under retirement, retirement planning, and even before that, the way to hedge get the since the biggest uncorrelated risk is getting sick, right? We can agree. It'd be very difficult to go to your oncologist and say, okay, all of a sudden you need radiation therapy and cancer surgery, okay, At, and get that money when, this, when your financial holdings, which you've been relying on, are down. Unless what? Unless you had insurance. So while insurance is, feels expensive to many and is not expensive under Medicare, for the base case. You can think of the premiums that you pay for health insurance, not only for your health, but for overall household net worth protection. Now you understand Maximize Your Medicare. That's its intent. That's its message. That you're trying to get the best benefits you can under the federal program with unparalleled consumer rights in your favor so that you can avoid this combination of events occurring. That's it for today. Go to the YouTube channel. You can see these videos. There are other, other longer videos on Medicare. I do make comments on the political environment. I, I, made, I sent them out was a six, eight months ago um, on what I would tell you know, the different presidential candidates uh, who have and who are now have now survived, by the way. Uh, anyway, be sure to subscribe to this podcast, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts, anywhere you get your podcast. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review. I'm Jay. Speak with you next time. Mm-hmm.